Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy to see you all here today. I have a wonderful guest who is, she's written an absolutely amazing book about the experiences that she's had. And we'll talk about that. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to her. So uh, welcome, Cheryl. Can you tell us a little bit about you and pronounce your last name for us? (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Thank you so, so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Cheryl Chaprati. My last name is a Greek spelling of an Albanian name. So it's kind of a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I always told people it's my husband's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it because it was my husband's name. <laughs> so it's Cheryl Chaprati. And I worked in the healthcare industry for nearly 40 years. And I've had about 30 years of experience in training, consulting, instructional design, writing, and editing. My husband and I, my husband's name was Ismail. And we co-authored a book, One Blink at a Time, and that was published in 2014. And we write in uh, alternating chapters, our experiences in how we dealt of more than 30 years of uh, daily challenges living with Ismail's ALS, myotrophic lateral sclerosis, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Now I... I'm an ambassador for the Simi Valley Chamber of Commerce. I do inspirational speaking and consulting, and I'm on the board of directors of Seroptimus International at Simi Valley, and also a member of uh, a women's group called WINS, Women's Informational Network of Simi Valley. Wow, that's a lot. You (laughs) keep busy. I read your book and I was absolutely fascinated by what you've been through and and how you handle things. It was so amazing to be able to be together for as long as you were and to have such a wonderful relationship. And I'm I'm sure you planned it this way, but all the pictures in the book, Ismail was smiling and I, you guys yes. just looked so happy. And I yeah. love how you could go through what you went through so positively. I'm sure you didn't always feel like that, but it came across in the book that you you were just just so happy to be together and so much in love. And that was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'm so glad that it came through in the book because that is the way we were. We were very much in love. And even though we had to deal with a lot, uh, obviously, and there was a, a lot of stress, of course, in, in our lives. This one was a very positive person. And he loved life. He was amazing because he was, especially in the later years, he was bedridden for so many years. But he still loved life. And he still smiled every day and enjoyed every day. 
we had a wonderful team of nurses that helped me take care of him. And for many years in the beginning, I was working full time. So, so, (laughs) so his, uh, his nurses were very close to him and um, took really good care of him. And then if uh, he had a couple of bad experiences with one or two, then we changed the nurses until we had a beautiful team of wonderful nurses who were like friends more like friends and family that that cared for him really well. And he kept him happy. That's so wonderful. Having support when you're, when you need it is, is vital. I know I, I had two, two husbands die and I was their caretaker for the last two years of both of their lives. And there wasn't always somebody there for me. I didn't have somebody to come in to help. And as I was reading your story, I thought how wonderful it is to have such great people that you're not not alone in what you were doing. That made all the difference in the world. And I wish everyone could have that. And everyone is in a different situation. Mm -hmm. And some people have more support than others. And I just admire everyone who goes through uh, dealing with a, a, a loved one who is ill. It's very difficult. And the nurses and I tried to keep him as happy as possible all the time. And so we would, on the weekends, especially when I was still working full time, we spent weekends going to all of his favorite places. We think Santa Barbara was one of his favorite places. And uh, all of the wonderful places around Los Angeles County and Ventura County, we would we would take him to the the zoo was another one one of his most famous favorite places. So we went to the zoo often, and Huntington Library was another place that we went to quite often, uh, as much as we could to get him out. And uh, we had a handicapped van that opened at the side and had a wheelchair lift so we could transport him uh, to wherever we wanted to go. And in fact, a couple of just a couple of years before he he passed, we took a road trip to the Grand Canyon. Wow. In his van. (laughs) Yes. And then stopped in Las Vegas on the way back to visit uh, my brother and his family. And so we we really did quite a bit and that kept Ismail and I both happy and that, that's so wonderful I I talk to people all the time and so many times when people get sick or or have problems they just stop living you know they they stay at home they don't go out they don't want anybody to see them they have all all sorts of issues about what's happening to them that doesn't allow them to enjoy their life and in your book I could I could just see that that wasn't the way for you and the the name of your book is one blink at a time and I that uh you just I'd like for you to explain that to our listeners because it blew me away (laughs) the (laughs) Actually, reading this or not reading, writing this book by blinking is pretty incredible. Right. 
well, ALS is a very cruel disease and it takes someone's life one bit at a time. And it gradually travels through a person's body. And most people, unfortunately, the average person with ALS, I guess, not everyone, obviously, but most people die within three to five years of diagnosis. That's how quickly the disease spreads and takes someone's life. And so when Isma was first diagnosed, I went into a terrible depression and a state of mourning because I thought I was going to be a widow within three to five years. And as it turned out, Ismail had ALS for like over 30 years. And so we had a lot more time than I originally thought we would. And the, uh, the way I found out was by accident. I went to a, a I was doing some, some articles feature articles for a local newspaper. And I met a woman with post-polio syndrome who invited me to a support group meeting that she had organized. And there was going to be a neurologist there. She said, this would be a great meeting for you to go to because you'll there's going to be a neurologist there who's going to be talking about post-polio syndrome and you'll learn a lot about it. So I said, that sounds great. So I went. And it wasn't long after she started, the the, uh, doctor started talking, someone brought up ALS. This was before Ismail was diagnosed. But he had had symptoms actually for years, but they did not diagnose uh, ALS or any other uh, disease connected with the symptoms. They were still trying to figure it out. And so anyway, I went to this meeting, I listened to this doctor, someone asked her about the difference between ALS and post-polio syndrome. And she says, well, the symptoms are very similar, but people with ALS have a much worse prognosis because most people with ALS die within three to five years. And then she started talking about the symptoms and I started, I went into the flight or fight mm-hmm. syndrome. I was totally terrified to, to hear what she was saying because the symptoms she was describing were exactly the symptoms that Ismail was experiencing. And he had um he had a an appointment with a neurologist a couple of days later after this meeting and the we were hoping that the neurologist would be able to figure out what the problem was and when i heard these symptoms i just knew i knew that that's what ismail had and that according to this doctor he only had 3 to 5 years to live and so i just could barely stay in my chair until the doctor finished speaking and then I gave my apologies that I couldn't stay for the reception that they were going to have after the meeting that they had invited me to. And I just ran out into the parking lot. Wow. Uh, and just 
had a breakdown. So I came back home and I didn't want to say anything to Ismail because I did not know Mm -hmm. for sure. But I went into my little home office and I started looking through every medical book I could find to see if I could find some symptom that of ALS that did not match what Ismail had. And I couldn't. Mm. And so I was totally panicked and I was listening. Ismail was out mowing his lawn, just happy. He loved to, he loved his yard and he was doing yard work. And I heard his lawnmower and I just, I said, I'm not going to tell him because I don't know for sure. Going to wait to see what the doctor says when he goes in. But he went in and I was like scared to death. The phone rang. I thought it was a doctor. I picked it up. It was Ismail. And he sounded scared. And I said, how's your appointment? And he said, not good. Uh, they think I have a disease that is spreading through my, uh, my arm and my hand and now has started to affect my tongue. So then I was really, really scared. Then when the doctor called, she said, I think you both should be here uh, when I give my diagnosis. And I said, is it ALS? And there was this dead silence on the line for a couple minutes. And then finally she said, yes. Mm. And I just started crying. And she said, how did you know? So I told her the story. She said, well, many people live longer than three to five years. And to this to this date, Ismail's progression has been very slow. So hopefully you'll have, you know, more more years than that. And I remember later on, Ismail was smiling, came home smiling. He was all happy from a doctor's appointment. He said, guess what the doctor says? Um, I have a very slowly progressive form of the disease and I could live possibly another 10 years. Then that made me excited. I mean, that we would have 10 years together, 10 more years together. Little did we know how many years we were actually going to have. But when Ismail lost his ability to speak, because, you know, it, it had affected his tongue, and for a while, we were able to figure out, we could hear the words he was trying to say, and he, we could, you know, barely figure it out. But then it got to the stage where nobody could understand what he was saying anymore. And so one of our nurses showed us a spelling chart that she had used with one of her other patients. And it was so simple. It was just a it was just rows of letters, A, B, C, D, E. And then the next line, E, F, G, H, and so on throughout the alphabet, rows of letters, and each row was numbered, one, two, three, four. And then we all learned, memorized the chart, including Ismail. So when we wanted to spell something with him, he would link, we would call out the numbers of the rows. One, two, three, and say he would blink on the number three. So then we'd start calling out the letters in that row. E, F, G, H. 
Then he would blink again on the letter. Okay, first letter is H. Second letter, one, two, three. <laughs> so wow. you can tell it was a very slow process. But we were able to spell out words and sentences with him. And that's the way we communicated with him. So when it came time to write this book and he wrote his chapters, he spelled them out to me using that same method with the, the, the rows of letters and numbers. It was pretty funny when we were out someplace and we would be talking with him and people thought we were using some some kind of Morse code or something because we'd be calling out these numbers and calling out these letters. <laughs> and then we would say, oh, he's saying such and such. And people were, thought it was magic or something, <laughs> but it was so simple and it worked for us. And he had, you know, tried, I know that there's a lot of computers uh, with uh, voice synthesizers sort of like Stephen Hawking, he had he had one. So it was actually the same program as Stephen Hawking used. And mm. it was a word program. And he actually wrote part of a screenplay using that computer with iBlink to select the, the letters on the screen. Wow. But but um, it was just easier for us on a day-to-day -day basis not to bother with the technology and just use our little uh, code system that, <laughs> with the spelling uh, chart. It just absolutely amazes me. <laughs> uh, the the patience it would take, book. you know. <laughs> yeah, it takes. It took a, a, a long time to write the book, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. He'd spell out the chapter to me, and then I would type it up. And then I would read it back and then he would edit. <laughs> he would start editing the chapter and changing words and sentences and adding and stuff. And so it, it took quite a while, but it was so worth it for. Oh, yeah. I, I just can't imagine. How, how long, just ballpark, do you think it took to uh, write a page? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, several hours to get a first draft. <laughs> and wow. then by the time, you know, by the time he uh, reread re it to him and he made changes and I edited it and stuff, it, it, it probably take a, a week to, to do one of that. And the chapters are, are short. Mm -hmm. uh, we, ha we have uh, pretty short chapters, you know, like three or four pages or so on most of them. Wow. But, but I'm so glad that we did it. And I'm so glad that we have that now. We have it in his words. Yes. That, that's so wonderful that you do have that, that you really made beautiful use of the time that you had together. Um, it, you know, it sounded so positive and productive. I know it was challenging with a lot of other things too, but to to be able to have the the basis of such a wonderful relationship, I think is fabulous. Thank you. I, I'm very grateful that we had that and that we had that much time together. I never would have imagined that he would have survived as long as he did, and I'm so grateful that he did. That's beautiful. Well, this this 
talking to you has reminded me of the importance of happiness in a quality of life. Yeah, it made all the difference in the world for you guys to be able to share that because I could just when I was reading your book, I could just hear you laughing sometimes because <laughs> it, it just it sounded so, so pleasant and wonderful. And I thought this this is the way to deal with something tough. Uh, well, I, I believe I, and, you know, it wasn't always uh, easy, of course, and we had our ups and downs like everybody else, but. Um, generally, um, it was a, a very good life, a happy life. And I was just so happy to have him for as many years as I did. Yes, absolutely. I know I'm always talking about the value of writing and, and dealing with grief and, and dealing with life, actually, in general, that writing is so helpful. And this is such a perfect example of how you enhanced your life so much by writing even in an unusual way <laughs> that you were able to do that. <laughs> I, I just loved the alternating chapters it was so cool. Oh, I, I felt you. like, like I got to know you both by reading the book and it, it just oh, was I'm so glad it was really beautiful or is really beautiful. Well, thank you thank so much you so for much being you. my guest uh, today. This, this has been just uh, delightful. It's really kind of, I think a, a feel good conversation and I'm, I'm glad you were able to come here and share it with me. Oh, Emily, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I loved it every minute and, and I love your books and I know that they help a lot of people too. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, it's always, especially living so far away from <laughs> the rest of the world, you sometimes wonder, are people really reading the book? So <laughs> it's really nice to hear. Let, let me answer. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that makes me feel good. So that's <laughs> great. <laughs> well, uh, we will have the information with uh, the name of Cheryl's book and how you can get it and a little more information about her in our show notes so that you can look that up. And I strongly recommend her, her book. It's very, very interesting reading. And you. uh, you're welcome. And I will see all my guests again next week. I can't wait to talk about our next adventure. So thank you so much for coming. Aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.